And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is June 6th. 157th day of the year. 208 days remain to the year's over with. And there's a lot that happened on this date in history. Most important of which, D-Day. Where we went ashore in Normandy. During World War II. It's National Eyewear Day. National Yo-Yo Day. Let's celebrate the folks who sit in Congress. Queen Anne's Day. Russian Language Day. Caves and Karsk Day. You know, it's been more than 75 years since the end of World War II. But to a lot of people, the memories are very fresh. Memorial Day in South Korea. National Applesauce Cake Day. National Cynthia Day. National Drive-In Movie Day. I haven't been to one of those in years. National Gardening Exercise Day. National Higher Education Day. Visually Impaired People Day. No one is blind anymore. They're visually impaired. National Green Roof Day. And World Pest Day. Once again, we celebrate Congress. All right. All that having been said, let's go to... 913 A.D., Constantinus VII, the eight-year-old illegitimate son of Leo VI the Wise, wasn't too wise to have an illegitimate son, becomes nominal ruler of the Byzantine Empire under the regency of a seven-man council headed by Patriarch Nicholas Mystikos, appointed by Constantine's uncle Alexander III on his deathbed. 1505, the M8.2 to 8.8, the old Mustang earthquake affects Tibet and Nepal, causing severe damage in Kathmandu and parts of the Indo-Gangetic Plain. 1513, Battle of Navarra in the Italian War, Swiss troops defeat the French under Louis II de la uh, Tremoya, forcing them to abandon Milan. Duca Misolano Sforza is restored to power. 1523, Swedish regent Gustav Vasa is elected king of Sweden, making a symbolic end to the Kalmar Union. June 6 is designated the country's national day. 1664, Swedish queen Christina abdicated her throne in favor of her cousin Charles Gustav and converted to Catholicism. 1762, the Seven Years' War, British forces began the siege of Havana and temporarily captured the city. 1813, the Battle of Stony Creek, considered a critical turning point in the War of 1812. British forces 700 under John Vincent defeats an American force twice its size under William Wonder and John Chandler. Uh, 1822, Alexis St. Martin is accidentally shot in the stomach, leading to William Beaumont's studies on digestion. You can't eat bullets. 1832, the June Rebellion in Paris is put down with the National Guard. 1844, the Young Men's Christian Association, that is the YMCA, for those with a classical education, is founded in London. 1859, Queen Anne is established as a separate colony from New South Wales, 
That date is still celebrated as Queen Wednesday. 1862, First Battle of Memphis, a naval engagement fought on the Mississippi results in the capture of Memphis, Tennessee by the Union forces from the Confederates. 1882, the Shiwan forces of Menelik II of Ethiopia defeat the Gojami army in the Battle of Mbabo. The Shiwans capture uh, Negus Tekli Amanat of Gojam, and their victory leads to a Shiwan hegemony over the territory south of the Abe River. 1889, the Great Seattle Fire destroys all of downtown Seattle. 1892, the Chicago L elevated rail system begins operation. 1894, Governor Davis Waite orders the Colorado State Militia to protect and support the miners engaged in the Cripple Creek Miners' Strike. 1912, the eruption of Novorupta in Alaska begins, the largest volcanic eruption in the 20th century. 1918, the Battle of Bellu Wood in World War I. U.S. Marine Corps suffers its worst single-day's casualties while attempting to recapture the wood at Chateau Thierry. Losses are exceeded at the Battle of Tawara in November 1943. Uh, 1925, the original Chrysler Corporation is founded by Walter Chrysler from the remains of the Maxwell Motor Company. 1933, the first drive-in theater opens in Camden, New Jersey. In 1934, the New Deal. President Roosevelt signs the Securities Exchange Agreement of 34 into law, establishing the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. 1942, the U.S. Navy's victory over the Imperial Japanese Navy at the Battle of Midway is a major turning point in the Pacific theater of World War II. All four Japanese fleet carriers taking part, the Akagi, the Kaga, Soryu, and Hiru, are sunk, as is the Heavy cruiser Nakuma, American carrier Yorktown, and destroyer Hamam are also sunk. 1944, commencement of Operation Overlord, the Allied invasion of Normandy with the execution of Operation Neptune, commonly referred to as D-Day, the largest seaborne invasion in history. Nearly 160,000 Allied troops crossed English Channel with about 25, with about 5,000 Landing and assault craft, 289 escort vessels, and 277 minesweepers participating. By the end of the day, the Allied forces landed on five invasion beaches and are pushing inland. 1966, March Against Fear, African-American civil rights activist James Meredith is wounded in ambush by white sniper James Aubrey Novell. Meredith Novell a photograph by Jack Tornell, whose photograph received the 1967 Pulitzer Prize for Photography. That's the last one to be awarded in that category. 1971, Soyuz 11 is launched. The mission ends in disaster when all three cosmonauts, Gregor, uh, Georgi Dobrovolinsky, Vladislav Volkov, and Viktor Patsayev are suffocated by uncontrolled decompression of the capsule during re-entry on June 29th. Also in 1971, Hughes Air West Flight 706 collides with a McDonnell Douglas F-4 Phantom II of the U.S. Marine Corps over the San Gabriel Mountains. Fifty people are killed. 1975, British referendum results continued membership of the European Economic Community with 67% of the voters in favor. That has changed drastically. 1982, the Lebanon War begins. Forces under Israeli Defense Minister Ariel Sharon invade southern Lebanon during Operation Peace for the Galilee. They're reaching as far north as the capital of Beirut. 1985, the grave of Wolfgang Gerhardt is open in Imbu, Brazil. 
The exhumed remains are later proven to be those of Joseph Mengele, Auschwitz's uh, angel of death. He's thought to have drowned while swimming February 1979. 1993, Punso Magin Archibald wins the first presidential election in Mongolia. 1994, China Northwest Airlines Flight 2303 crashes near Xinjiang International Airport, killing all 160 people on board. 2002 Eastern Mediterranean event. A near-Earth asteroid estimated at 10 meters in diameter explodes over the Mediterranean Sea between Greece and Libya. That explosion is estimated to have the force of 26 kilotons, slightly more powerful than the Nagasaki atomic bomb. And in 2017, Syrian civil war. Battle of uh, Raqqa begins with an offensive of the Syrian Democratic Forces to uh, capture the city from the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. Yes, a lot of things happened on this particular date in history. Well, we have been talking about um, a good many things over the last uh, few shows. You know, there's been quite a lot of um, stories told about um, various conspiracy theories regarding Fort Knox. I thought uh, I was asked to talk about some of those. You know, in 1933, Franklin Roosevelt issued an executive order which prohibited private ownership of gold possessions by American citizens. This has included, of course, bullion, coins, certificates of gold uh, that were pressured to sell to the Federal Reserve. Now, there is a number of reasons he did that, supposedly. Number one is the ransom paid for Lindbergh's uh, kidnapped child was paid in gold certificates. Originally, American currency uh, had uh, what were called gold certificates, and supposedly for every $1 in uh, paper currency, there was $1 in gold on deposit. So, after the, reward was, the ransom was paid, the story goes that uh, he, uh, Roosevelt, uh, to help Lindbergh, changed the currency. It was no longer backed by gold. So as a result of this executive order, the government accumulated vast gold reserves with no place to store them. They didn't really think it out. Gold was to be the, the backup uh, measure of our currency system to give you a citizen's peace of mind and reassurance that gold would always be there. Well, today, gold is considered an asset of the Federal Reserve, property of the Treasury Department, and not really a major part of the monetary system. Now, in the early years of the 20th century, Fort Knox was used for training by U.S. military. It became a permanent base for Army training in 1918, named after former General Henry Knox. In 1933, it was chosen as the site of the Bullion Depository. And uh, that same year, the Department of Treasury began construction on a facility to hold the gold. It was completed in uh, December 1936, and the site determined to be placed on Bullion Boulevard at the intersection of Gold Vault Road. 
specifically designed as a location due to its security parameters um, with the protection of the Appalachian Mountains and its potential to avoid attacks by sea. And during the construction period, the gold reserves were stored in the assay offices located in New York and Philadelphia. Um, now, at the first official opening of the gold depository, the, the first gold shipment was sent to Fort Knox January 1937. And this would entail a nine-car train operated by machine gunners, which were loaded onto Army trucks with security provided by the U.S. Cavalry Brigade. A total of over 500 trains would be required to transport all the gold to Fort Knox. And a lot of gold coins were melted down and then shaped into uniform bars, and old bullion bars were also used. The gold bars weren't exactly the same composition, such as mint gold bars, which are deemed nearly pure gold. Coin bars from melted gold coins and original gold coins are valued approximately 90% gold. U.S. possesses more gold reserves than any other sovereign nation in bars and bullion and coins and a variety of rare coins. Germany's second, but it has less than half the U.S. Uh, amount of gold. Now, Fort Knox gold storage peaked during World War II, about 1941, known as the year the largest amount of gold was stored there. That was approximately 649.6 million ounces 1944, the facility was also used as a POW camp for German POWs, and a number of them died there. And over the decades, it's held vast amounts of gold reserves and other rare significant items. Second largest gold depository in the U.S., and according to the Federal Reserve, currently it houses 147.3 million ounces of gold bricks, referred to as bullion, with an estimated value of $261.6 billion dollars. Of course, it's only there until uh, our illustrious leader can figure out who to give it to. Each gold bar weighs 400 ounces, or 27.5 pounds, and it's 7 inches in length, 3 inches wide. It's estimated to hold 2.5% of all gold ever mined in human history. Now, the, of course, the largest gold depository in the U.S. is in Manhattan. It's named the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, and there's an underground vault that holds 224.1 million ounces of gold. The remainder of the U.S. gold reserves are at Fort Knox, um, Denver, and the West Point storage vaults. 1971, the U.S. disengaged from the gold standard, so the amount of gold in possession didn't specifically relate anymore to the value of the American dollar. It's just part of the U.S. monetary wealth system. Previously, the gold being placed in secure vaults provided to citizens with trust in the country's currency. Now it's known as fiat dollars. It's money because Washington says it is. Now at Fort Knox, renowned for being the most secure facility in the world, there's a policy of no visitors allowed inside the depository grounds. Now, two exceptions to this rule have been enacted. September 23, 1974, there was an inspection granted to members of Congress and the news media where they toured the facility, led by the former director of the U.S. Mint, Mary Brooks. Second inspection occurred August 21, 2017, when Treasury Secretary Stephen Munchen, the Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, accompanied by Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin and U.S. Representative uh, Brett Guthrie of Kentucky, were permitted to 
visit the gold reserves at the Fort Knox Gold Bullion Depository. Uh, according to Munchen, <clears throat> glad the gold is safe. <coughs> of course, they all rush back to Washington to figure out who to give it away to. Now, priceless U.S. history documents, significant European charters, national treasures of gold reserves for European countries, and precious jewels were all stored at Fort Knox for safekeeping during World War II due to concerns of theft from spies or damage from bombs. These valuables included the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the Articles of Confederation. Additionally, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and Second Inaugural Address are there as well. And after the attack on Pearl Harbor, these documents were transferred in secret from Washington, D.C. to the gold vaults at Fort Knox to ensure their protection. And they stayed there until 1944. And then they were sent back to their original homes in Washington, D.C. Now, one of the most, well, for lack of a better term, sacred documents to be moved there were the three volumes of the Gutenberg Bible. Now, Johann Gutenberg invented the movable type printing press. <coughs> and in 1455, he produced the first book ever to be printed, a Latin language Bible, which was printed in Mainz, Germany. And this discovery allowed books and Bibles to be produced in considerable amounts over the short period of time. Also, one of the four known copies of the Magna Carta were sent to Fort Knox as well after the 1939 World's Fair and the outbreak of the war, went back to the Lincoln Cathedral in 1947. From 41 to 44, occupied uh, European countries transferred their gold to Fort Knox, along with the English crown jewels and the Holy Crown of Hungary. Now, recovered in 1945 by the 86th Infantry Division in Matzi, Austria, the Holy Crown of Hungary was discovered and taken to Fort Knox for safekeeping due to the threat of the Soviet Union at the time. This uh, so-called divine crown was magnificent with beautiful pearls and gold and numerous other jewels. Uh, the, uh, the crown, the scepter, the orb, the sword, and the cape of St. Stephen, King of Hungary, were stored there until 1978 when they were returned. Now, morphine and opium were hoarded in the 50s by the U.S. military, should a steady supply be warranted during the Cold War. And the government, of course, was concerned that global conflicts associated with the war would restrict the supply of opium that could be processed and used as essential painkillers in the event of an emergency. So tons of morphine and opium worth millions were stored at Fort Knox in 1955, and they're still there. Allegedly, in 1993, the opium was refined into morphine sulfate. Now, having been in sufficient pain myself that morphine was necessary... I highly recommend it. Now, Fort Knox was designed by its construction to create a secured and permeable barrier between the outside world and the vault system inside the building. And the cost of this project was 560000 built with 16,000 cubic feet of granite, 4,200 cubic yards of concrete, 750 tons of reinforcing steel, and 670 tons of structural steel. So as you can guess, it was designed to be an impenetrable fortress. The main vault door weighs more than 22 tons, and no one single person has the complete combination to it. You need the coalition of all the staff members to unlock the vault door. 
and each member of the staff has to dial separate combinations known only to them, and supposedly they're changed daily. Beyond this initial door are smaller partition vaults, providing further protection. Every employee there is sworn to secrecy and neither confirms nor denies security measures that may be in existence. Now the vault doors lined with granite walls, four feet thick, and it's perceived to be blast-proof, torch-resistant, drill-proof, and 21 inches thick. In fact, it's said to be able to withstand an atomic bomb. An escape, an escape door is installed for anybody who may become trapped inside the vault with a setting of 100 hours on a time clock, and it rarely opens. To approach this escape door, you're directed through a narrow tunnel you crawl through. Opens outside of the vault, but still inside the depository. So the escape door only opens from the inside premises. The um, tinted glass windows don't allow anybody to be able to see inside the facility from the outside. And the windows are securely sealed from the inside out, believed to be fireproof and bulletproof. Of course, they've not been tested. The U.S. Bullion Depository Building, known as Fort Knox, is located on a secured army post with 30,000 soldiers, tanks, attack Apache helicopter gunships, artillery, and armed personnel carriers outside Fort Knox. Multifaceted security and surveillance system of minefields, ground sleeping radar, electric fences, a barbed wire, alarms, microphones, and video cameras define the outside courtyard. Armed security guards monitor the grounds continually for, with laser-triggered machine guns that uh, cover the perimeter. No unofficial visitors are allowed within the depository grounds. And if an unauthorized individual gets past the external security measures, then they'd have to break inside the vault and the smaller vaults tucked inside, facing the battalion of U.S. Mint Police. It engages intruders from inside the fortress to beyond the outer perimeter. And the U.S. Mint Police is required to receive extensive training in the areas of cover management, door entry, weapons, danger areas, breaching, and topics of that nature. There are even unverifiable rumors of a satellite defense system at Fort Knox capable of identifying and decimating threats from extraterrestrials. So your gold is safe from the aliens. The facility itself provides its own emergency power, water structure, and other functioning systems at the site. Only one man in history attempted a breach at Fort Knox, and that was the fictional character Ulrich Goldfinger in the 1964 James Bond classic Goldfinger. He was a gold smuggler, bullion dealer, and jeweler who attempted to detonate a nuclear device there to destroy the gold so the value of his own gold supply would be increased. However, James Bond, of course, foiled the, the plot and saved the day. With all the extreme security measures employed at Fort Knox, it would imply the gold is there, or at least items of national treasure, or it's a distraction from the true location of the gold reserves, which is probably under the president's bed. Now, the conjecture and controversy continue to swirl around the secretive gold reserves at the U.S. Bullion Depository, Bullion Depository at Fort Knox. How much gold is there? Has the amount increased or decreased, or is it an empty vault? property site of Fort Knox originates from the legend of um, Jonathan Swift of Robert Louis Stevenson's uh, Treasure Island. It stated he was the owner of thousands of acres in modern-day Kentucky. Swift supposedly buried his treasure on the property where Fort Knox is located. And with the number of caves on the site, it's believed he struck gold and silver, disguising the mines. 
allegedly had associations with Freemasons and the map of Treasure Island is similar to the map of Swiss hidden treasure in Kentucky. And there were numerous myths as well, including the storage there of biological weapons like anthrax, alien technology shipments in there from Area 51, the remains of Roswell space aliens, and even the body of the infamous Jimmy Hoffa. Some believe the gold in Fort Knox was transferred to London in the late 50s by Lyndon, excuse me, late 60s by Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, or that Israel may have had some of our missing gold. One story account was derived from the Kentucky Air National Guard, in which they sent three pilots to check on a report of a UFO flying over Fort Knox, January 7, 1948. One of the pilots, Captain Thomas Mantell Jr., spotted the object, identified it on his report as bright white and round with a bottom red border. He chased it, and his plane began to careen out of control, crashed. He died. The prominent conspiracy theories of today question if the vaults are empty or sold off, replaced with fakes. And all the security to protect the gold is just a smokescreen. The inconsistencies of the audit system yeah, and the, uh, has led to stories the elites have removed the gold. Theory of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee, a conspiracy theorist group called... Uh, G-A-T-A, um, gained steam over the years. Most popular theories the gold reserves have been emptied or sold off in the vaults. Many feel the Federal Reserve has sold all the gold and has already received these profits from the amount previously kept there. Of course, there's no evidence that this has occurred. Others conclude the government doesn't need to store gold as our currency hasn't been based on the gold standard since 1971 been no independent verification of the contents of the vault, and this has led to suspicions concerning the government's trustworthiness on the matter. federal government has stated that Fort Knox holds less than half the total federal gold reserves. In the 1974 and 2017 inspections, the gold appeared to be present at these sites. Second theory is that the gold has been filled with super-dense tungsten lead or painted gold. There was a claim from the Chinese government in October 2009 stated they had received a shipment of gold from the U.S. to pay off debts on the balance of trade, and it was tungsten. The Chinese ordered testing on the authenticity of the gold bars, and results were there were fakes with a tungsten core. Late 30s, European nations considered the U.S. an ideal place to store their gold. Since that time, other governments have asked for their gold back, and they've claimed it wasn't the same metal composition that originally stored there. Our federal government informed Germany it would take until 2020 to return their gold stored at Fort Knox back to them. On the Internet, there's a claim that uh, the Clintons were involved in a gold heist using Federal Reserve bankers to remove uh, 1.5 million gold bars, replacing them with tungsten blanks that were gold-plated. Well, the investigation was lot suggesting the serial numbers matched, and that was how the gold bar's existence was traced back. But there's no irrefutable proof of this evidence. Tungsten is far cheaper than gold and close to the same density and color, which makes it a perfect substitute. And, of course, when you get around to some of the shenanigans pulled by Hillary Clinton especially, I'm sure there's a, a basis for the concern. The third theory is that all the elaborate security measures of Fort Knox are there to protect the secret that there is no gold, and the protection is a cover-up. 
Many people theorize if there were public knowledge there's no gold at Fort Knox, then it would be catastrophic to the economy and the authority regarding the U.S. government. Would this lead other countries to seek another world currency to replace the dollar? Would our government once again seek to probably held gold from its citizens to back the value of our financial security? Others, of course, believe that a different location is the true site of the gold reserves and Fort Knox are just a distraction. A claim the U.S. Mint, of course, denies. Inconsistencies in the auditing system at the site is another theory since the last gold counting method was recorded in 1986 when the vaults were sealed shut. Official story from the Officer Inspector General, the Treasury Office Inspector General, states that 100% of the gold stored at Fort Knox was audited in the years 1974 to 1986. Of course, no U.S. government department has all these audit records. Currently, the LIG reveals that no gold is counted, no gold inspected, the seals are checked, and the audit is considered complete, and this is done once a year. In the Gold Transparency Act of 2011, the OIG discussed the Mint uh, would be replacing all the previously placed official joint seals with new ones. 2010, the seals were broken, and new, more durable plastic seals replaced the old wax ones, providing an extra barrier seal. Other top conspiracy theory... Uh, the fifth, uh, actually the fifth theory, is the super elites removed the gold from the vaults and they're empty. In the 1970s, there was a well-circulated rumor the vaults were emptied by the elites in the banking sector and government, leasing it out or seizing it. These shadow elites are known as the secret societies, the, the Illuminati with their 13 bloodlines in control. Astor, Bundy, Collins, DuPont, Freeman, Kennedy, Lee, Anassas, Reynolds, Rockefeller, Rothschild, Russell, and Van Dyne. They're members of the exclusive Bilderberger group that manipulate the markets and economies throughout the world. Wars, politicians, mainstream media working to complete their agenda. Known as Agenda 21. It's believed they're occult societies with the greatest power of influence and wealth on the planet. Top corporations, politicians, the banking system, and mainstream media all under their domain as they have key people placed in high-ranking positions, and all of them, which may lead to uh, ex an explanation for all the, uh, let's say, inclusivity going on right now in regard to Anheuser-Busch, Target, and a few other major corporations. You know, the uh, they seem to ignore the desires of uh, the American public uh, bowing down instead to the 0.03% of uh, transgenders and what have you. The agenda of these so-called bloodlines is a new world order, a one world government, one world religion, one world currency, and the restriction of freedom of every man, woman, and child on the planet. It's been claimed the International Monetary Fund's aware the vault is empty as it's believe they're associated with these uh, secret plans. 2011, Russia claimed the IMF chief Dominic Strauss-Kahn was jailed because he discovered that all the U.S. gold is gone. So, in response, the U.S. charged him with sex crimes May 14, 2011. 1981, a Boston Globe article reported a significant amount of gold reserves were removed from Fort Knox between 73 and 74, $66 billion worth which was 7,000 tons of gold bullion. It was implied the gold that remained was melted down, gold and coins, and of course, of poor quality and unacceptable for the open market. 
In addition, a Los Angeles Times article pointed blame at the Rockefellers for missing gold reserves. Nobody's refuted or denied these claims. Uh, nothing has come from the Federal Reserve. Any gold was missing. Suppose there has to be an investigation done, but uh, they're not going to make the, uh, the results public. And the sixth and last major theory is proposed by the conspiracy terrorist group, which is known as the Gold Antitrust Action Committee, or GATA. They're very critical of the Federal Reserve's growing powers, and they believe the gold reserves have been manipulated by them, possibly by gold swap agreements with uh, foreign banks. In their opinion, the gold doesn't exist. The amount of gold is not as much as the government says or that the government's been selling it off over the years. They feel the gold is a major deter uh, determinant of interest rates as the U.S. Mint doesn't offer the exact amount of gold in storage at Fort Knox. In 1953, U.S. Treasury Department performed an audit at Fort Knox with only 5% of the gold being tested for purity. No outside experts were permitted. This occurred during the Eisenhower administration. In 1910, the proposed tale is that a small group of bankers and Senator Aldrich held a secret mysterious meeting on the resort island of Jekyll Island, Georgia, to discuss plans for a new central bank in order to avoid financial panics that would exist under the control of these elites. This exclusive club, known as the Jekyll Island Club, was formed for the wealthiest and most powerful families like the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers and the Morgans. American institutions represented were the Rockefeller Banking Interest, the companies of J.P. Morgan, and a number of others. It also included the European ties of the Rothschild banks located in France and England, the banking systems of the Warburgs in the Netherlands and Germany. According to the story, the men who attended the meeting were Nelson Aldrich, Henry Davidson, Paul Warburg, A. Piat Andrew, Frank Vanderlip, Arthur Shelton, and Benjamin Strong. December 23, 1913, Woodrow Wilson signed into law the Federal Reserve Act, and the infamous Fed was created. Today, the Federal Reserve System's duties are to set the nation's monetary policies responsible to supervise and regulate the banking institutions. I ain't done too good a job thus far. Ensure the stability of the financial states for financial services to the depository institutions, to the U.S. government, and foreign official institutions. Screw the American public. The original primary motivation for creating the Federal Reserve System was to address the banking panic and the crisis situations and to serve as a central bank for the U.S., it's comprised of four entities, the Board of Governors, 12 Federal Reserve Banks, the Federal Open Market Committee, and member banks throughout the country. Since its inception, the Fed has attained more power and influence on the financial markets than any other legislative system. So it's faced criticism from sources such as economists and journalists and politicians and financial institutions it regulates. For its lack of transparency, been the subject of various conspiracy theories over the year. Many conspiracy theories have been proposed concerning the Fed's practices, such as it's not part of the U.S. government, it's privately owned, it's run by vague foreign international organizations that uh, control the Fed and other central banks. One that I heard for years was that the Queen of England owned 51% of the, uh, the stock, since it is not a government agency, it's a, actually a private entity. It's not audited with a full accounting of its holdings that possesses too much power to control the nation's money supply by having more money printed by the U.S. Treasury and this process of uh, creating hyperinflation using quantitative easing to boost the money supply. 
And those that debunk these theories state there's no evidence to support the claims, but there's no evidence to um, deny them either. One of the most popular conspiracy theories of the Federal Reserve System is that as a central bank, it plays a crucial role in guiding the decisions that affect the U.S. economy. And its true intentions are to create a one-world currency, part of the agenda of the New World Order. It's considered a suspicious independent entity, not a company or government agency, and it's not subject to electors or bondholders. The decisions it makes doesn't have to be granted by legislatures, elected officials, or even the president. It's not funded by Congress. Its funds are derived from its investments, and the owners that privately own it are not publicly known. Fed feels it has to remain unrestricted to meet expectations, devoid of political influences. So it asks for sovereign domain over the nation and the world's economy. But there are many who believe, even though it's an independent organization, that it's still accountable to Congress and the public through communication and detailed reports regarding its activities. There's another major theory that the Rothschilds are... Uh, of the Illuminati conspired to sink the Titanic to ensure the creation of the Federal Reserves, along with J.P. Morgan, the financier who set up the investment bank. He arranged to have three wealthy men board the Titanic and sink it, having switched vessels. Uh, the Titanic had a, an identical sister ship known as the Olympia, and they actually changed the name on the ship. Uh, so the one that sank was actually the Olympia, and it was done for a large insurance claim. Morgan was supposed to join these men on board the Titanic, but canceled at the last minute, so he didn't die with the rest of them. He was a participant in the creation of the Fed. Guggenheim, Strauss, Nastor were those men who supposedly opposed the Federal Reserve. After the Titanic sank April 15, 1912, there was no more opposition. And the Federal Reserve was adopted in 1913 under the control of an elite banking order with an agenda of all their own. Other theories have been postulated that the Fed financed the 1972 Watergate burglary and expedited a loan to Saddam Hussein to help the Iraqi leader buy U.S. weapons in the 1980s. There's also been the suggestion they had President Kennedy assassinated due to the fact he was trying to restrain the power of the Federal Reserve by passage of Executive Order 1111. Um, excuse me, 11-110 on June 4th, 1963, which replaced Federal Reserve notes with silver certificates. Critics claim the order's intent was to enhance the jurisdiction of the Federal Reserve, allowing for convenience of administrative duties. Seems to be that in all these conspiracy theories, they've been, for lack of a better term, debunked due to the fact no evidence of political interference in their investigations have been shown. But it's very difficult to determine the real truth as a citizen since we don't have access to secret files and documents and the government's not willing to reveal them. Keep everything on a need-to-know basis, very secretive, very confidential. Former Congressman Ron Paul, during the years of his term in office, poised the question to the administration officials was need for an audit performed on the purity of gold at Fort Knox. He felt the gold reserves needed to be verified, suggested a return to the gold standard. He wanted the U.S. Treasury Department, the U.S. Mint, to answer questions before Congress by testifying about the nation's gold of, uh, authenticity. And he introduced a bill to audit the Federal Reserve as well as the gold at Fort Knox. 
Well, of course, the bill failed and the audit was never done. Treasury Department stated that an audit would cost $15 million to complete. Have to employ 400 people working for a six-month period, taking 30 minutes to verify the gold composition of each gold bar. Well, Rand Paul, Ron Paul's son, a congressman today, continues in his father's footsteps to get this request granted. He wants an audit of the Federal Reserve because of their strong belief the government should be accountable to the American people. Well, the Fort Knox vaults are under the management of the U.S. Mint, the Treasury Office, and the Government Accounting Office are responsible for the management of the computing of the gold. And the gold is carried on government ledgers at the stationary price of uh, $42.22 per troy ounce. That value was established in 1973, and it doesn't vary. And many skeptics of any gold stored in the vaults believe they can't have an audit done because they may have dumped gold on the world markets in which prices could be manipulated, or the gold, if it's there, might be fake bars of gold painted uh, tungsten. I wouldn't put it past some of the presidents we've had, especially this one who is just following instructions from his wife, Jill. FDR is the only president that was allowed access to inspect the vaults on April 28, 1943, and in 1953 a complete audit was completed at Fort Knox. After this particular audit, the last shipment of gold officially sent out of Fort Knox was in 1971, where $500 million in gold was transferred to the New York Assay Office. This shipment acquired uh, 33 trailers to transport the cargo. Pursuant to the National Archives, the U.S. Treasury has seven missing audit reports out of the total 12 ones conducted on the gold reserves at the U.S. Bullion Depository. These missing audits and assay reports, of course, bring about much skepticism as to their validity as there were also research report, uh, re-audit reports due to the revision of audit procedures in 1983. Fort Knox is audited annually by the Treasury's Office of the Inspector General by checking the official joint seals that are placed on the vault uh, compartments to make sure they haven't been compromised. 2011, Office of Inspector General Eric uh, Thorson testified at a congressional hearing of the Gold Transparency Act that the uh, 100% of the U.S. government's gold reserves in the custody of the mint have been inventoried and audited. Well, the procedures of the U.S. government require audits on their official gold reserves, but these are completed by the U.S. itself with barely any independent audit or oversight that can verify what they saw, counted, weighed, or assayed to arrive at a total amount of the gold reserves. In the Freedom of Information Act and the official joint seal inspection reports pursuant to the Fort Knox audits, it would seem there are multiple inconsistencies in audit procedures. U.S. gold reserves are stored in different number of compartments, and the gold in them would get moved around as samples were taken for assaying during the audit. Standards for the reliability of the sample size would vary. Small samples would be used for the assaying. The majority of the time, verification is achieved by just checking the official joint seals. It hadn't been tampered with and is considered everything is there. The procedure saves time, money, and labor cost, but it doesn't allow a physical calculation of the gold value. One discovery was that the weighing scales at the mint were showing standard ounces instead of troy ounces in which all precious metals are weighed. Additionally, auditors were misreading where the decimal point was on the scale and making wrong, inexperienced calculations. 
Treasury's auditor had failed to follow the government's procedures as some of the records were missing or not provided with accounting mistakes in the audit process. Some economists feel that the gold reserves could be thinned out, being more useful to the private economy instead of in the vault storage. They believe with gold prices so high, this would be a good time to sell a portion of them. Others feel the Fed won't be unloading supplies of gold reserves, for this would flood the market and send the price of gold down. And that's why the government will continue to store gold reserves. Former Fed Chair Alan Greenspan said you hold on to it because it's the ultimate in money. Well, in conclusion, the ambiguities, ambiguities, controversies, and conspiracy theories will continue to capture the public's imagination from the evidence available. It's impossible to truly confirm or deny the gold reserves at Fort Knox. Due to missing official documents and audits and the policy of no visits allowed on the premises and no possibility to conduct outside investigations uh, separate from the internal ones, there only remains propaganda in which to sort out the facts from the fictional accounts. Now, we've summarized the history behind Fort Knox, national valuable treasures and its construction and security components, speculation, deliberation attributed to the conspiracy theories. You know, it's interesting to note that whenever the government gets secretive about something, there's more going on than we, the the voters, are allowed to know. Uh, no matter what happens, somebody takes the position the public does not have a right to know. It might upset people. <laughs> well... It's interesting when you dig down into it. The um, there are more questions than answers when you start talking about Fort Knox. Now I knew a few folks that have been stationed there during my time in the military, and some of the stories they told raised a lot of questions. Um, Anonymous folks being allowed access, unrestricted access, I might add. And secretive convoys coming and going. Well, let's turn from Fort Knox and talk about lost cities and caves in the Grand Canyon. I've been to the Grand Canyon twice. And uh, you could hide New York City in certain parts of the canyon and nobody would ever find it. Now, the landscape of the Grand Canyon is indescribable. With, uh, it has unique geological rock formations. There have been a number of unbelievable archaeological discoveries. There's abundant wildlife species of animals and plants. There's hiking trails. There's river rafting. 
Now, the natural phenomena is attributed to historical mysteries or other theories, one of which being the possible existence of a mysterious lost civilization of giants. Subterranean city in the caves of the canyon with Egyptian mummies and treasure. The suggestion has been made that these, uh, this giant race preceded the Native American cultures. And Native Americans such as the Hopi have legends that describe pre-Columbian visitations. Um, contact with advanced civilizations of Egyptian, Indian, and other unknown cultures. Now I will point out that the mounds across the Midwest, those that have been excavated that turned out to be uh, grave sites, the skeletons found were 8 to 12 feet tall, 6 fingers, 6 toes, and most of them were in copper armor. Now, In almost every case where there have been unusual finds, the Smithsonian Institution has ridden to the rescue of the existing theories by taking everything back to Washington for, quote, examination, unquote, and then the items vanish. Now, the Grand Canyon is northwest of Flagstaff in Arizona, and the Scientific consensus is that the canyon was carved approximately five to six million years ago by the Colorado River. It's 277 miles long and 18 miles wide. And it formed a natural landmark as the Colorado River cut a deep channel through layers of rocks and erosion began as sediments discovered uh, indicate time periods of rocky, sandy, volcanic, and muddy conditions. There have been 40 rock layers that have been identified as having formed the Grand Canyon walls. The Vishnu basement rocks are the oldest known rocks in the canyon located near the bottom of the inner gorge. They're supposed to be 1.7 billion years old, give or take. The three major rims that comprise the Grand Canyon are the South Rim, the North Rim, and the Rest Rim. The South Rim is the most accessible. 90% of the park's tourists uh, go there. Uh, it's open all year and has airport and rail service. The North Rim is located in a very remote area that provides few services. It's less accessible and preferable for what you might call the most adventurous visitor. And it's often closed during weather conditions as the roads become dangerous very quickly. It's near to Utah with more amazing views than the South Rim. And the, the West Rim is operated and owned by the Alapa Indian tribe, so it's not administered by the National Park Service. And one of the most popular attractions located in the western area of the main canyon is called the Grand Canyon Skywalk. It's a glass walkway shaped like a horseshoe. It's about 4,000 feet above the canyon floor. Opened in March of 2007, and tourists walk out over the canyon with a clear surface underneath them. It's an amazing view if you don't uh, have a fear of heights. Well... On this this particular point in time, before I get into more um, esoteric information, we've come to the end of today's show because I don't really have enough time to get into anything um, in detail. So until tomorrow at this time, this is Ken Hudnell for the Ken Hudnell Show saying honor those who were at D-Day. And until tomorrow, have a great evening.